0: complete and lacking nothing i have to say that again let patience have its perfect work so that you my dear friends will be patient or perfect uh uh complete right and lacking nothing bible says in the book of hebrews after you have done the will of god there's a need of patience uh, now, now the majority of you all are not saying amen Because patience is not a really sexy or popular thing to talk about. Uh, If we would all be very honest, we don't like being patient. This world, this secular world has been designed that everything now is 5G. Used to be 3G. We were really onto something with 4G. But now we are moving at light speed ahead. No one... Wants to wait in the drive through line. No one wants to wait in traffic. Speaking of traffic, uh, uh, I don't know if there's a city right now in America plagued more with traffic uh, uh, than Charlotte, North Carolina. We don't like to wait. We don't like customer service on the phone. Hit one for this, two for that, three for this. Hi, my name is Adam. I can listen to your complete call. We don't want to talk to no automated computerized Adam. Put somebody on the phone that can empathize with me. We don't like waiting. We don't like waiting for the job offer. I wish you'd just tell me right now. We don't like waiting for the loan to be approved. You already know whether it's a yes or no. Go ahead and tell me no so I can go on to the next bank. Nobody likes waiting. And we all have a need of patience. I am, as Paul would say, king among them. I don't, I don't like waiting. I have to be forced and God has to humble me. And oftentimes I find myself in areas and positions now where I have no choice. But to wait. Waiting puts you and I in a very vulnerable position because we can't control anything. Am I right about that? Now, you all act like you've not been in a traffic jam as of lately. Uh, if you've been up I-77, all it takes is one fendom bender. And then to make you mad, 45 minutes later when you finally get to the accident and you find out uh, somebody like went out, and you mean you've you clogged up all this traffic because of a fender bender? We don't like waiting. Faith and patience. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, we talked a lot about making commitments by the end of the year that we'd finish strong. I gave you seven commitments a couple of weeks ago. I think my wife reiterated a few of those on last week. But maybe today I want to talk to you about promises. I think there's something on the other side of a commitment and a covenant that you make with God. And I believe there are promises that God wants to perform for every one of you. Uh, Give me a moment just to kind of lay this foundation. There are some promises I believe that God makes to every one of us. And these are promises for everyone in the room. Some of you all are expecting promises to be answered as it relates to healing. Uh, Some people are standing on the promises of God as it relates to deliverance and and breakthrough. Some are believing God for promises concerning their children. Uh, uh, The truth be told, all of us in the room have promises from God, but uh, Peter reminds us that these promises are not just ordinary promises, but these are great, the Bible says, and precious promises that the Lord not only has made, but the Lord will honor. And I think that I need to remind every one of you, uh, as you are, are at home these next few days and you're weathering the storm, may, may we all be reminded that not only is God a promise maker, but God is a promise keeper. Not only will God make promises, but he keeps promises. We we have promises as it relates to our salvation, eternal security, promises as it relates to our sanctification. So the God that you and I serve in, you know, I struggle with reading the book of Jeremiah. I just finished the entire book of Isaiah and I, I, you know, I stalled at Jeremiah. I said, I don't know if I'm going to get anything out of reading Jeremiah, but I'm so glad I was obedient to the Holy Ghost because boy, I'm telling you, God is a God of covenant. It is amazing to see the ups and downs of Israel, the ins and outs of Israel. Israel gets blessed. Israel sins. Israel gets cursed. Israel gets blessed again. God says, I'm through with you. He says, you know what? I'm married to you. I'm going to do something great in your world. Uh, Israel backslides and goes after foreign gods. Goes after uh, uh, Baal. And God says, you know what? I'm really going to be through with you this time. But then God remembers he cannot lie and he cannot break his promises nor his covenant. So God says, you know what? I'm going to raise up and do something in your life. And so on and on and on over again, you see these rhetorical uh, recurring promises and, and covenant that god has made the bible reminds us his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us according to his glory and his goodness through these he has given us his very great and precious promises right so you need to remind yourselves just for the next few moments that god has made some promises to you now here's where we get here's where it gets very interesting You need to begin to think right now, what promises has God made to me? Okay? Now, if you're thinking about Lexus, Mercedes-Benz, and and Jaguars, uh, we don't know if we can validate that God made those promises. Now, he did say he would meet your need, but he didn't say what name brand it would be, right? Uh, If you're already thinking name brand clothes or certain zip codes that you live in, I'm not quite sure if God made a promise that you live in a certain zip code or Or a certain side of town. But he did make a promise that the righteous will never be forsaken. nor his seed beg for bread. I don't know if you can say he promised me Ruth Chris every weekend. And promised me Morton's every other weekend. But he did promise you that your children won't go begging bread. So there are some promises that God makes to you. God promises healing. Now he didn't tell you he would heal you instantly. But some healing is instantaneous. I have faith for that. Some healing is over time. The Bible says as they went, they walked in their healing. And then some healing won't be until the great by and by. But the promise God does make is that you, by his stripes, shall be healed. So we need to understand the promises of God. Remember this, that the Lord, 2 Peter 3 and 9, is not slack concerning his promises. Maybe we should pause there for a moment. You know why? Because we are slack when it comes to our promises. We are slack. When it comes to our covenant, our promises, and our word. As I showed, shared recently with my son and I shared with others, all we have now is our word. And when you lose your word, you really have nothing else you can stand on. God may not be slack with his promises, but sometimes we can be slack with our promises. But the Bible says he is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slack. But he is long-suffering toward us. Anybody thank God for being long-suffering? Toward us, let me try that again. Anybody, thank God for being long suffering Mm -hmm. toward us. Yes, Uh, the Bible says, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, we talked about these promises that God would give. Our obligation and our commitment is that we make our promises to Him. I've asked, as your passion, I've asked, as the visionary. That we make some commitments towards serving the Lord. I won't give all seven, won't repeat all seven, but there are two or three that are very important that I believe that are worth reiterating. And those that are visiting today, those that are watching online, uh, maybe you can apply some of these promises and commitments to your own life. Number one, pray for the church. Pray for your brothers and sisters. We have several critical prayer needs even now as I stand before you with mothers that are in ICU. Mothers that are in need of prayer. Mothers of members, I should say, in the church that are in need of prayer. We have families that are going through some very severe challenges as I stand before you right now. Would you pray? For your brothers and sisters, would you pray for the church? The church itself, it is a very critical, critical season as we enter the holidays and as we move through the new years. And, you know, I'm conversing with our mortgage and I'm conversing with our banker and I'm saying, you know, we've had more inclement weather weekends this year than I believe the last 20 years combined. I can count on one hand the number of services we've had to cancel or postpone in the last 20 years. We've had more this year alone, whether it was the hurricanes in September, ice last uh, January, February, had to make transition today. And I said, God, you are in control of everything. Nothing surprises you. Maybe, just maybe, you want us to walk a little bit more by faith uh, and not by the facts. Because you all do realize the folk who making the real money is the is, is the media. They, they make the real money with all the breaking alerts. Because, you know, most of the time when they crap all of the snowmageddon and icemageddon and armageddon and all that stuff, typically it passes over. Then when they're not quite sure if anything's going to happen, four feet of snow fall on the ground. So, uh, But but they're making good money, right? All of the grocery stores and Walmart and Target, they going to make plenty of money this week, right? But we, on the other hand, we get real fidgety and real difficult when it comes to seasons like this. Uh, because we have paychecks and we we have bills of pain We have things we have to do and 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 oftentimes it presses and it stresses our faith I've learned more in these last two and a half three years Of what it means to walk by faith, and let me just be very clear with you. I have learned What it means to walk by faith I often think about the scripture, and I believe it's Isaiah 31, where the Bible says that, 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 that do not trust in horses because they're mighty and chariots because they're strong, but did not look to the Lord of Israel, nor regard God. Woe to the man who puts his trust in people, trust in horses and chariots because they're mighty and they're strong, but they did not take time to look toward heaven, to look toward God, nor regard the Holy One of Israel. Sometimes God puts you all in a place that puts us all in a place of vulnerability where there's a need of faith and there's a need of patience. Let me move on forward. I'm asking that you pray for the church. Uh, number two, we have some special meetings and some special moments with God between now and watch night. One of them will be this coming Friday night. I didn't mention that earlier. Um, to me, Friday night, the Lord say the same is a benchmark service for many reasons. Uh, in fact, Bishop called me earlier this week and I called him back and I'd heard that the statewide Baptist board opened their doors for him to come and minister. I said, Bishop, I heard the Lord use you to minister. He said, you know, i had been there 20 something years, but they received me warmly and God did move. And I said, Bishop, I'm just so glad to hear how, how the church world has warmed up and, and being redemptive and, and reconciliatory. And I'm just so glad to see what the Lord would do. Uh, Bishop was one of the first churches to say, Stevens, would you would you come over and, and, and share what the Lord has done for you and what he's doing right now? I will be forever grateful for that. I said, Bishop, I want to exchange that opportunity. And I'd like for you to come up to Huntersville. Bring the choir, bring the band, bring the church And those are coming up, and it was supposed to be in September, but with the hurricane, we had to cancel that service. And so, Friday night, I am believing God for a miracle, breakthrough, deliverance atmosphere. I know healing will be in the house. I know deliverance will be in the house. I know breakthrough. I know that sounds sort of, you know, uh, elementary, and it sounds sort of marketing. But I know that there will be something special that God will do. Just for The prophetic apostolic meaning of going forward in God's grace. I know those things will be resident. My fear and maybe why I lack in faith is will the people be here? Will the people be here? I'm going to encourage every one of you if you've never asked or you've never heard me ask for you to not only be in place. But invite as many people, particularly folk who struggle with something major. People who are out with God, out with the church, confused, frustrated, whatever it may be. I know that Friday night will be a night of healing. And I know you've got wonderful festivities on Saturday for the women and Sunday. And it'll be a great weekend. But may it be a weekend that we will long, long remember. Not only pray about being there. I believe you'll get your answer from heaven. Be influential with others. Don't let anyone sit on the fence. Don't let anyone sit back in the echoes of of, of shame and criticizing and find reasons and fault. But let's see what the Lord will do. I've asked that these commitments also be made in the area of your love demonstrated one to another. I'm asking that you show love to one another. Can we get beyond religion? Can we get beyond rituals? Can we get beyond rudiments that the Bible says hinders the word of God? I I, I know this is going to be a shock and awe moment, but please hear me out. Don't get emotional when I say this. But I'm working on a series called Killing Religion, Killing Religion, Killing Religion. It was religion that killed Jesus. It wasn't the Jews. It wasn't this certain group or that certain group. It was the spirit of of those who cried aloud but had no heart. The Bible says you worship and you praise with the mouth but your heart... Is far from me when you are in religion you are more bound by performance and how you dress and how you look and your titles and positions and you stand tall but yet don't want to minister and care and you get real fidgety you walk with a chip on your shoulder can't nobody get close and can't no one minister because you are and the, the, the guys in the spirit and, and, and I've been sensing for a while in the church that the spirit of religion now, now, now don't get me wrong now because I know there's some who argue against the word religion and I know they're gonna have a field day with this message with this series of teaching but yes James uses the word religion one time but the theme of religion does not have the best positive connotations in the word of God Uh, it was the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes the religious leaders of Jesus' day that wanted to put him on a high cross, that wanted to crucify him publicly, it wasn't enough to put him to shame in the corner, Uh, we want to get the largest cross and to make greatest traffic of the community and show the world that this Jesus Jesus in this salvation does not comply with our religion and our practices. And here we are 2,000 years later. We're still crucifying him again. Why? Because we have the form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. We can preach and preside and pray and teach, but we don't show no love. We can't talk to our neighbor. We can't minister one to another. I'm praying for you at a distance, but we won't visit the jail. We won't visit the hospital. We won't visit the nursing home. Or I'll prophesy at a distance But I won't put my arm around you and say It's going to be okay We have religion But we don't have revelation We have religion But we don't have relationship Thank you for the book and the reminder I'm reading a very good book dealing With religion And how it kills A church The world Argued with anger. And why Jesus would go to a man named Levi. You know Levi in the Bible, don't you? We know him as Matthew. Matthew wrote the book of Matthew. But before Matthew became a scholar who wrote the book of Matthew, his name was Levi. And not only was his name Levi, but he was a tax collector. And he's not just the ordinary regular Department of Revenue, North Carolina, or IRS agent who wants to talk about back taxes. He would have been considered a drug dealer, a a kingpin. Who exploited the common people of Israel. So he can live fat and live large and live wealthy. So he was scorned and despised. But Jesus comes to Matthew and ministers to him. He was so embarrassed and saying he changes his name from Levi to Matthew. Why? Because he's a friend of sinners. The biggest compliment that Jesus will have ever gotten is that he was a friend of sinners. And if that's not enough to convince you that we need to really rethink the things that we do in the church, what about Zacchaeus? We know the song that we grew up in childhood reading and singing. Zacchaeus was somewhere up in that tree, why, right because he was a man of short statue. But one thing about Zacchaeus, not only was he like Matthew or Levi, the, a tax collector, the Bible says he was the chief tax collector. So he was the head of the head of the mafia. But Jesus said, I want to come to your house and have dinner. Can you imagine the religious folks saying, who in the devil do he think he is? He is a sinner. He's an extortioner. He's ungodly. He's this, he's that, and the other. Here we are. We've been tithing. We've been giving. We've been singing our song. We've been going to church on Saturday when, when the preachers said, come to church. We've been doing all of this. But yet Jesus bypasses us, and he goes to the most notable sinner in the doggone community. See how quiet y'all are right now? I was like, quite a lot of them was. But notice what happens when he sits with Zacchaeus. With he says, you know what? I will give you, well, I forgot what the numbers were. I'll give you a fourth of everything that I'll. I'll pay back everything that I've taken. I'll give the rest of this, and I'll do this. And Zacchaeus has a relationship. I'm no one, My am messenger, but you have to understand, religion suffocates the church. Now, don't let nobody play words on the word religion. To get you opposite of what the word of god says because there are those who would love to do that to shame this type of teaching but when you go back and read the bible you will see it clearly see it was they who supposedly had it all together and jesus says i i i I didn't come for them i came for those who were really sick i came for those who were broken and hurting and even sometimes if it bypasses those who feel entitled those who feel deserving just give me the people who are true, straight-up sinners? I want to make a difference in their lives. I'm going to work on this series of teachings, and I'm going to involve many of you all to help teach that series of teaching because I think religion stands at the door of our church, and it wants some of us to be nasty and cold and callous and hard, condemning, unforgiving, judgmental. Uh, I think I'll keep walking down the room until somebody say, amen. Religion keeps you more concerned about how you dress and how you look and how you sound, and whether you know protocol, and whether you know call, and whether you know all of the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, across the teeth, the eyes. But yet you can't break bread and have a common conversation. And religion kills. I didn't plan to talk about this today, but I asked the Lord to move and flow. When is the last time? You spend time with a brother or sister in this church just to love on them. Just to minister to them. Nothing in return. I'm not nigga for no hookup, nothing no job, for no husband, no wife. I just want to bless you. Take it a step further. When is the last time you intentionally sat down with a sinner for the sheer purpose of winning that relationship for Jesus? You'd be surprised how easy it is for us to get into the motion of just having good church. When I go back to the book of Isaiah, boy, he deals with that. He deals with a culture of people who have praise, and they have performance, and they have all the lights, bells, and whistles. But in their heart of hearts, they have no commitment to the Lord. And I thought that Isaiah was saying a little something until I got to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is frustrated. He pulls his hair out. He says, oh, God, how is it that the wicked prosper?" And the evil men seem to be getting ahead. God, don't you see what they're doing? I really wish they get what's coming to them. And God said, Jeremiah, let me slow down, son. He says, If you're running with footmen and they are wearing you, how will you contend with the horses? In other words, if a little foolishness here and there is getting up under your skin and causing you to be agitated because they ain't doing this and doing that right in the church. How are you going to really deal with true devils and true demons and true witches and warlocks and, 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 and spiritual wickedness in high places and rulers of darkness? How are you really going to engage in warfare if you worry about somebody ruining their eyes at you? Let me get back on target just for a few moments. Uh, faith and patience, faith and patience, faith and patience. Um, I've asked the church to pray about giving a year-end seed offering. And it will be, be a faith offering. Let me tell you how I know it's a faith offering. When I wrote the letter, and you all received that letter in the mail, I put an amount on there that it was probably a little bit too much for my wife and I. And my wife said, did, 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 did those letters go out yet? I said, they already been stamped out. They gone now. But we're going to walk by faith and do whatever it takes to make our vow and our pledge good to the Lord. It's really double more than we really should have done. But I remember someone telling me years ago that, that high demand creates high stakes. And the stakes are high right now. And I'm putting a, a demand on my faith to see God do great things. I need God to do some things before 2018 is over. And I'm, I'm already believing God for great things for 2019. And I can't give an account for your household. We can't give an account for your home and your family. But for the Stevens household. We're believing God for great things to happen. And we know no other way. We've been trained and taught biblically no other way than to sow and to give and to walk by faith. Yeah, there's some very critical needs that the church has. And I'll probably share that on next weekend. Next weekend, if not the weekend afterwards, I'll share transparently and courageously some of the pending challenges that we have in the season. Uh, we have some increases next year that we're going to have to attend uh, to. And it's going to take a miracle. And it's going to take some hard, laboring people from the Lord who can walk by faith to trust God. Today, maybe in your life, and I'm going to take a, take a moment to take a turn here, so let's talk about you. Let's talk about your life. Some of you all right now need to learn what it means to truly walk by faith. All right? I can teach this out of practicum, and I can teach this out of principle. But when you've had to live this life, and it becomes a, a, a refreshing course to believe God daily, to believe God for almost every and anything, You will learn the value of walking by faith in this room right now. And I want to make it very personal with you. Some of you all are learning how to walk by faith. Some are standing by faith. Some are learning to live by faith. And then maybe there are others who are learning how to move by faith. Would you write this down real quick? And and if we don't finish this this morning, uh, um, we'll, we'll find the time to finish this message because I, I I think the timing is right. I, I think that if if you're not working tomorrow or, or or Monday or Tuesday, even maybe now is a good time to have a self-study as it relates to faith in the Bible. Maybe now is a really, really good time. If you don't have the Bible software on your laptop, computer, just go online and and there's all type of web-based platforms. Do a good old-fashioned faith study. What does it really mean to move by faith? What does it mean to walk by faith? What does faith really mean? Would you write this definition down really quick, and I'll keep it simple. Faith can be defined, just real quick, as a strong conviction or a strong belief that comes through the hearing and the reading of God's word. Real simple. I hope I don't disappoint you today, but faith—it comes from the Greek word pistos, which simply means it is a belief. Not only is it a belief, but it is a strong belief. It is one of those what we would say, "I know that, I know that, I know." Beliefs. Faith is a strong belief that comes by the hearing, or you can add by the reading of God's word. We know Romans ten seventeen. Faith cometh, all right? In other words, it just didn't come one time and that's it. But faith continually comes, it continually increases, it continually grows by when you read the word of God, when you hear the word of God, when you receive the word of God. So whether you've been preached to, taught at, conversed with, small group, online, on the radio, anything that builds and charges your faith grows your faith. One more time. Faith is a strong conviction. It is something... Uh, that's on the inside of the city of your soul it is a strong belief and and where do we get it from it comes by the hearing and hearing of God's word now uh, I'll probably talk faster than you can write so catch this in the Holy Ghost right let me give you three principles concerning faith three principles uh, and I use the word principles because these are universal in other words these laws are universal their principles they're not going to change all right you can take these three principles to the bank number one faith is a gift of God to the believer faith is a gift of God The believer I believe God gives every man The Bible says A measure of faith But don't window shop with faith Don't compare product with faith God gives every one of us A measure of faith Uh, And it doesn't mean Somebody's faith is greater than the next But whatever he's giving you with faith He gave it for you Number two Realize that faith can be developed Or better yet Faith can be increased What do you mean? So when he gives you the measure of faith It's almost like an exercise It's almost like a muscle In fact Can we look at faith as a muscle For the next few minutes Uh, If you exercise your faith, you will grow your faith, right? Uh, I I, I, I go to the gym now about once a month, and I get discouraged uh, because I ask myself on the treadmill, uh, I mean, man, why are you really here? I wish I had the discipline as some. Uh, I wouldn't even look your way, uh, Minister William. But I wish I had the discipline of some who were in the gym five, six, seven times a week. I don't. I, I don't have that discipline yet. I need to get it. But 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 if I got that discipline, uh, you'd see a notable difference, I believe. Right? And, and and don't judge me because I would see a notable difference in you if you went to the gym. Right? Now 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 if you look at faith, like you look at any other muscle, when you exercise it, it grows. And this is maybe why Paul warns us, hey, listen, uh, be careful with bodily exercise. It is productive and it is useful, but greater than bodily exercise is your spirit. Exercise and one are of the areas of spiritual exercise is growing in our faith. Well, you know what? I don't need to take that class, I'm good to go. God has a way of re enrolling you in the class of faith when it comes to areas of your life. Now, uh, realize faith can be developed, faith can be increased. Number three, you can have faith that believes, watch this, uh, without having faith that performs. I want to talk to you about this. You can have faith that believes, right? Uh, without having faith that performs. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Uh, in fact, some of y'all, uh, in fact, why don't we all turn that? I think we should get back into the practice of flipping pages and reading scripture. I love cell phones and iPads and Kindles and all of these electronic devices, but, oh, ain't nothing like reading the written word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 6. I, I, I think that you, you know the scripture already, but let's read it for the sake of reading. But without faith, it is impossible Please him. I jump in and out of Hebrews 11 about once a week. Because I need to charge my faith. The Bible says by faith we understand how the world came about. The Bible says by faith we see now why Noah was warned with a divine warning. By faith we see the importance, right, of Enoch. The Bible says please God. But he did it by faith. And now I close the Bible in my prayer time I say, God, I want to please you. I don't just want to perform. I just don't want to show up and show out and show down on Sundays. But when no one else is around, I want to be listed among those that really please you. Anybody else want to please the Lord? Okay, anybody else want to please the Lord? The Bible says, Enoch, please the Lord. So by faith, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, watch this, must believe that he is, what does the next word say? And, come on, let's not get too deep, right? What does the next word say? And. So, anyone who comes to God must believe that he is or exists and, come on, say and, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, what do you say here? You can have a faith that believes without having a faith that he can perform. Uh, Let me say it this way, sometimes we have a faith for salvation only, but we don't have a faith that he can heal us. We have faith that we are saved, but do you have a faith that you can prosper? You have a faith that he forgives the sins of the past, but do you have a faith that he can keep you holy? Is able to keep us from falling and present us all before the presence of his glory with a city in joy. So oftentimes, watch this, watch this, oftentimes we have just enough faith to play it close and stay saved. But do you have a faith to become debt free? Do you have a faith to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? Do you have a faith to call those things that are not as though they were? Now again, I've preached all of this for 20 some years out of luxury. I've preached it out of convenience these last couple of years I've had to preach it out of necessity why because I've had to live this I now have to know what it's like to go back and say God if you don't supply the needs we don't know how where it's going to come we have to now begin to believe God to decree and declare and say God we are looking right now at something that we cannot believe so therefore do not look at the things that you see but look at things that you can't see for the things that you can't see are temporary for the things you can't see are eternal I know what it's like to walk by faith at the age of 49 I had a good ride I had a good season. There were good errors. What well, I had to walk by faith. I had to worry about how we're going to get to this conference or how we're going to uh, make this end meet, or make this bill happen or how we're going to do this at the church and how is this going to happen? And it's not always financial. Sometimes it's just faith for your healing, faith for mental strength, faith for not cracking up and throwing in the towel. Folk jump out of windows and people jump over bridges every day. God, give me a faith that says it's going to be all right. Some of you are hard on me today. I, I know it's Saturday. I know you're not used to be in church on Sunday. But the whole time you've been here, I, I'm concerned about your body language. The Bible says, take my yoke upon you. What Jesus said. Take my yoke. Why? Because my yoke is different from the yoke in the world. If you were truly yoke with me, you don't have to stress out so much. If you'd yoke with Jesus, you really don't have to worry about all of the things that you're facing because he already knows what you're dealing with. He said, take my yoke upon you. My burdens, oh, they're different from your burdens. My yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Would you come to me? So you can find some rest for your soul. Would you come to me? I can teach you some things. You can learn from me. And you'll hear this word right now. and Go right back home and stress out. Be all frustrated, mad, angry, contagious, nasty to everybody. Jesus said, chill, man. Listen, I got this. Learn to take my yoke. Learn. You know, God, the Bible says, cast all of your cares upon him. Why? Because he what? Cares for you. Here's what I'm learning in this season. He really does care about the smaller things in my life. And to cast my cares upon him is not just a, a mental exercise, but I literally have to get to a point where, God, you already know the things that we're dealing. They require requires faith. He heard the doctor's report. He knows the dilemma you're in. He knows the faintest cry. But when you're going to let go so he can move in? You gonna try trying to strong arm and power yourself through this and broken yourself through that, and let God do it. And this is what we've had to learn: be anxious for nothing. I don't know if the day goes by. I don't quote that scripture. I ain't forty years ago didn't have to, but as an adult, now, I know I, I need to realize what Philippians four and six said: be anxious. King James, don't worry. New King James, don't fret about nothing. Come on, but in everything, with what? Prayer, and what else? Supplication with the word supplication means God you're going to move on behalf of someone else so I'm praying but I need you to move on behalf of this family mothers and I see you move and bring your resuscitate revive restore God I'm praying for this area but I need you to move on behalf of the church if you don't move God it ain't going to get done so prayer and supplication and with Thanksgiving, what do you mean? There comes a point where you stop asking for it and begin to thank him that he's already done. I'm not going to beg him. I'm not going to plead. I'm going to quit asking. But God, I'm just going to begin to thank you for my healing. I thank you for the deliverance, I thank you, God, that nothing surprises you. I thank you that you heard me the first time. You're already making it happen in my life. Someone say, God, I thank you that the promise is on the way. So faith, faith, patient may I have five more minutes and I'll find a way to close the message faith faith I have faith that believes that he is but do I have faith that he can do what I'm asking him to do so you can have faith that believes without a faith that performs let me give you a couple of thoughts real quick number one thank God for faith for salvation because sometimes I think in the word of faith movement, we want faith for car, faith for houses, and faith for a husband, faith for a car. Faith, listen, faith for that. What about faith for being saved? We need saving faith, right? Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests begin to murmur among themselves. Who is it that even he forgives sin? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Your faith. Faith, uh, well, I watched it, wasn't the water baptism, wasn't taking the hand of the pastor, wasn't the orphan at the gate. But it was your faith uh, that saved you, right? Because the man on the cross, he had no time to get baptized. He had no time to go and join the church. Uh, but Jesus said, listen, the fact that you believe who I am while we both hanging on this cross, the fact that you believe me today, he said, the paradise. All he did was he believed that he was the son of God. Number two, faith for achieving your desired accomplishment. Jesus said I tell you the truth If you have Faith as small as a mustard seed. Is that what the Bible says? Uh-huh. Even to you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible. I need you to tell somebody next you, Nothing is impossible to him that believes. Somebody help me out. Nothing, anybody got a tile. Nothing is impossible to him that believe. Come on, tell somebody else. Nothing shall be impossible to him that believe. Number three, what about faith for being here? Healed. Remember the woman the Bible says, uh, who came to him bleeding with the issue of blood for twelve years, Jesus said to her, Listen, listen, listen. It, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. You don't remember the story, though, right? The Bible says, and she said to herself, If only I can touch the hem of his garment and I'll be healed. It was not special about the hem. It wasn't special anything about the garment, but the fact that she said, if I can just the hem of his garment Jesus said woman your faith has healed you uh, I need you to realize right now today you may be home by yourself and don't have nobody to pray with you don't have nobody to agree with you have nobody lay hands on you have nobody put on on you but if you believe Your faith can bring healing Even in your home I need another reference Pastor. Well the Bible says Jesus went from there And two blind men followed him Calling out Have mercy on us Son of David And when he had gone indoors The blind men came to him And asked him Do you believe that I am able to do this Yes Lord They replied And then he touched their eyes And said Can somebody get me a towel please And he touched their eyes And said According to your faith It will be done to you And the Bible says Their sight was restored What are you saying? Sometimes we put the magic potion In other people It ain't in other people Sometimes we put it in a place It ain't in a place Sometimes we put it in a formula It ain't in a formula It ain't in a a degree It ain't in a certificate My God, if you have faith I've never believed I could preach If you have faith to believe That God will do it Now again I know what it's like to read this Out of convenience I know what it's like to read this Out of comfort But when you've had to live embarrassment and out of shame And condemnation and say, God, I gotta have a faith to believe That I'm not gonna be yesterday's memory I'm not gonna be dead and buried But God, there is a faith that says You two sons, can rise Glory, you can rise And be the man, the woman That God, on this Saturday afternoon Has called you to be He knows about the divorce He knows about the shame He knows about the hurt He knows about the loss He knows about the bankruptcy The foreclosure The loss of the house But God says According to your faith, be it unto you. Now, I remind you some of the enemies of faith, and I'll take my seat. Remind you right now that fear of loss, fear of your past, fear of opinions of others, fear of doubt, unbelief will always try to rob you of your faith. And you know what? Let me add another one right here. This is my notes, by the way. We need a faith to demonstrate love. I know that's elementary, and that should be expected. And you may say that, you know, uh, you ought to have to have a faith to love someone. You have to learn how to love crazy people. You got to learn how to love people who get on your last nerve. Because that's what Jesus did. He loved people and he knew they had the dagger to his back. He had to love on people who knew they were conniving, who gonna be the greatest when he's gone. He had to love on people who knew had arterial motive. Uh, uh, do you have a faith to love your enemies? Tell you how a faith that loves your haters do you have a faith that loves people who say you'll never mount anything? They are waiting, sitting on the couch with a bag of popcorn, watching the show, hoping you die. Do you have a faith to say, God bless them? Lord, minister to them. Lord, I forgive them. Lord, I love them. I see Stephen right now, who's being stoned. But instead of cussing them out, instead of saying, God, I need you to deal with it. He said, Lord, would you forgive them? But well, they not know what they're doing. Have mercy on me who you cast stones at me. I've had to learn these last couple of years to say, God, people who waiting for me to die. People who've been waiting for me to cry. Lord, have mercy on them. Love on them, God. Show them your power. Show them your grace, thank you so much. Show them your mercy. Show them your love. Show them that you are forgiving, God. A redeeming God. A reconciling God. A restoring God. And what you do for one, you do for the other. I don't know if I'm the only one in the room I'm gonna have to say, God, I need your help. Lord, I need the blood. Lord, I need grace. I need your mercy. I need tender mercy. I've always done it right. I tell you, look, I'm so sorry. I'm so ashamed. I want to do it again. Give me another chance. Give me that opportunity. I've been to your mercy. We all be consumed. Your compassion. And feel not, but your mercy. Hallelujah. Every morning. Anybody grateful for the mercy of God on your life? <laughs> The faith is in Lord And through the muck and the mire we a lot of people and down some people there's some other But God we oh, in mercy Thank you, God Thank you, Jesus Thank you, blood. Thank you, Jesus For your mercy Anybody grateful for their That All knowing God we the mercies of the Lord Jesus. God I'm gonna love my enemies I'm I'm gonna love my haters I'm Said he ain't gonna amount to nothing, but in return, the Bible says he prayed and he loved them. Come in here, somebody, and thank God for mercy. I want you to stand to your feet. I have so much more I can preach on. But in closing we are confident of better things concerning you yes even the things that accompany salvation for god hear me closely for god is not forgetful of your works i need every person to know that you're working overtime Sometimes you're the first one here the last one to leave you come out of your own pocket to make things happen you're doing things for the church you won't even do for your own job you're trying to show love to people who are so difficult to get along with uh, may i remind you what the old saints would say years ago the church is a hospital for the sick we all need healing jeremiah's frustration is is there any bomb in gilead is there not a physician But it takes faith to look beyond a man's issues and to see God in them. It takes faith to look beyond a sister's trauma and yet see God. People wonder why I can be so patient and so uh, lenient and merciful. Well, the Bible says, "Blessed are the merciful, for they they shall obtain mercy." My dear friend Bishop Bob McLaughlin in Jacksonville said this, he said, Preacher, we will have, we will be judged by the gospel we preach. Do you hear me? We will be judged by the gospel we preach. You preach a gospel that's hard and condemning and hellbound, you will struggle for the rest of your natural life with the echoes of your own preaching. You preach a God who's merciful, loving, graceful, forgiving but yet just you receive mercy and maybe that's why the bible said to him who is forgiven more is thankful more you don't know why people run and shout and care on the way they carry on in worship sometimes we look at folks we just wonder what in the world you don't know deep inside what they've had to deal with to be able to come to church what made last night's fellowship, Brother Herb, a phenomenal success was the spirit of freedom, the spirit of liberty. We joked about some songs and all that stuff, but the truth of the matter was, people were free to love, free to embrace, free to dance, free to have fun in the house of God without feeling like they're going hell Because I remember a day when we had all of the looks probably would have bust hell wide open but now there's a freedom there's a healing there's a, there's a grace and when people latch to that make no small plans let me finish Hebrews 6 and 12 here's what I wanted to get to in our close. so the Bible says and that we desire each one of you to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and patience when you look at my wife and I, I pray you imitate and see somebody through faith and patience is inheriting the promises. You may not know why, you may not know the whys to everything you've had to deal with, but God is going to use you so others can imitate you. You can tell a story. The Bible says we're living epistles rid of all men. I I don't I didn't get a chance to sit down with Pastor and Sister Stevens for an appointment. You, you you don't have to. You can sit down with you. And you can tell your story. Tell them how you lost your business and how God gave you one that's prospering right now. Tell them how you, you lost your house, but yet now you own several houses. Tell them, tell them how you were uh, in stage two, stage three, stage four cancer, but now you're healed, clean, and cleared of cancer. Tell them that they may imitate through faith and patience. Faith and patience. I wish we could all stand today and pat ourselves on the back and talk about how much great faith we have. But the truth of the matter is our faith is still growing. Our faith is still developing. Sometimes it's the weakest muscles that we have. But yet, if we continue to hear the word, and that's why we're hard at times and challenging at times when it comes to small groups and services and prayer meetings and revival services, because God wants to give you his word so you can grow your faith. Because I've been around this thing long enough to know the people who stop coming to church the people who isolate themselves the people who find all type of important things to do on Sundays and Bible study times are usually the ones who are struggling deep down inside and I know there's a new age movement that says oh I can be be spiritual and not be a church goer that's the devil that's a lie and that is that is a that is a deception seducing spirit lie All right, we need to not only believe but we need to belong And so, don't get weary in well doing. God is not forgetful of the sacrifices, the time, the touch, the talent, the treasure. He's not forgetful of the things you've done for His church, His family, His name. And let me say this finally: Do not become sluggish. The Bible says the laborers, the harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. And the others, of the labor, they just trade up lazy. Don't get lazy don't get sluggish but imitate those through faith and patience would you say that with me and say faith come on someone say patience after you've now done what needs to be done you're gonna to have to learn how to be patient for he that shall come will come and not tarry heads about eyes are closed. <laughs> I just believe, Father, that on this Saturday, you had already ordered our steps before the meteorologist, before the weatherman, the weatherwoman, before the media. You had already ordained this weekend to be what it is. And on this Saturday, my prayer, God, is that we would be baptized in faith all the way down Submerged, Submitted. Surrendered. That we'd understand faith and patience. Father help. Our unbelieving hearts. Believe. As the man cried to Jesus. God help my unbelief. That I may believe. That not only are you God. But you are a God that will do everything you promise. Father, there's some people that they believe in you for healing in their home, healing in their marriage, healing with their husbands, their wives. Somebody's believing you for healing over their children, for you married to the backslider. Thank you, God, for using my brothers and sisters today to bring healing. God, somebody's believing you, God, for breakthrough, struggling and bouting with certain proclivities and vulnerabilities and sins and compromises. You said God we should lay off every weight every sin that possesses us and that we would fix our eyes on Jesus. For Abraham did not waver at the promises of God. In fact he became strong. For he was fully convinced, fully persuaded that God would do everything that he had promised. Lord I thank you today for my brothers and sisters God that even now, even today God you speak to their hearts as it relates to their faith and their patience we thank you today God that we will not become sluggish but will imitate those those great heroes of faith it is through faith and patience that we too would inherit the promises Lord I thank you for the revelation I thank you for your word I thank you for what you've done for us for what you shall do in the name of Jesus Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm really finished with the message. There's one scripture that keeps ringing in my heart and I feel like I probably probably need to be obedient and leave this with somebody today. I've read this passage of scripture many many times but I believe it was Tuesday if not Wednesday. I read it and it was almost if the words illuminated off the pages. The Bible says, and listen very closely, listen to this. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 9, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Read that again. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. I pondered upon that scripture throughout the week. And I said, Lord, what are you saying? He said, son, you have to start living like I'm alive. You have to start living like I'm alive. Abraham went and moved his family into the promised land even before it was time. What are you saying? I come from the old school. We know how to go to car lots and lay hands on cars with no credit. We know how to walk in neighborhoods they should have never had Rama in charlotte years ago because we started walking in open houses and neighborhoods that we know good and well we couldn't afford but we kept saying one day one day one day because if i can see it i'll be the one day sees it if i can if i can believe it one day i'll behold it and so every once in a while you have the sense of living in a place that he's already promised you. The Bible says that Abraham dwelt in the land of promise, even though he was yet still a foreigner. Friends, you got to start living every day like you really belong. Like you really belong. Elder Rebbe knows this, but where I live at, uh, in fact, I saw Julius Pepper's last night and a couple of the pants. They were in the lobby. We were talking and kicking and all that stuff. Not one, not two, but three times I've had a full length conversation with Dave Tepper. Y'all know who Dave Tepper is? He's the owner of the Panthers. He's worth 11 billion dollars. we kick it and we've talked about the Oilers in Pittsburgh and it being cold. We even walked a block together and talked. And I said, God, why are you causing me to rub shoulders with people who, at the blink of an eye, (laughs) y'all hear me? Very hospitable man, by the way. Very down to earth man. Not the first, not the second, but the third billion I've had the chance to shake a hand of. Now I don't have a billion. I don't even have a million. I don't even have a hundred thousand I don't even have ten thousand Do we have a thousand? Do we have a hundred? But sometimes God will bless you To live in the promised land Before the promises come to pass Don't you make any small plans Abraham lived in Before it was even his time. Would you take a moment, shake someone's hand, say, neighbor, faith and patience. Come on, tell somebody, faith and patience. Clap your hands, somebody give a little phrase, faith and patience. Come on, faith. I just need you to just sing that. You got to just shout that into the atmosphere. Faith and patience.